And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Keith Law, and welcome to episode 54 of The Keith Law Show. My guest today will be Lucas Giolito, starting pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. First, would like to let you know that if you are a subscriber to The Athletic, my just for fun column of predictions for the 2021 season actually went up last Tuesday. People were extremely mad online about it. This happens every year. And yet, I have yet to ever affect the outcome of a single Major League Baseball game with my predictions or with anything else. I just don't have that kind of power. I'm sorry. I would like to let everyone know, though, that I have a book coming out in paperback on Tuesday. That is The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves. That book came out in hardcover last April, right in the middle of a pandemic. Probably not the most ideal timing, but the reviews were generally extremely positive. I was very flattered by the positive feedback I got from uh, from reviews and from many of you. It is now coming out in paperback. So if you were waiting because you don't like to buy hardcover books because they're more expensive or the reason I don't buy a lot of hardcovers, they're really heavy to carry around. It is coming out in paperback and I have seen the paperback and it is much lighter than the hardcover. Can actually confirm we have reduced the weight. So if you were waiting for that, it comes out on April 6th. You can buy it anywhere you'd like online where you like to buy books, bookshop, .org, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or if you have a local independent bookstore, please give them a call and order the book through them. Many of them will have it in stock. I know multiple independent stores that were planning on stocking the book because I've checked with them, and they could really use your business. The pandemic has been particularly hard on many local businesses, including bookstores, which rely quite a bit on foot traffic that they have not been able to have during the pandemic. If you haven't heard me talk about the book before, it is my attempt to combine Concepts from decision-making science, from behavioral economics, and from cognitive psychology that are very common in sports front offices. Many of these things are their topics that people in baseball front offices talk about all the time when they're trying to make better decisions with my general interest in baseball and using baseball examples from throughout history, some recent, some quite old, to talk about these cognitive biases or illusions that lead people to make bad decisions. All people, it does not matter who you are, how smart you are, where you went to school. If you're human, you have these cognitive biases, these little blind spots in the way you think, because our brains are just only capable of handling so much information. But knowing about these biases and learning about them, hope I hope, in a fun and entertaining way, can lead you to make better decisions by changing your whole process to account for the fact that you will fall for these biases and illusions. So I talk about why umpires are probably just never going to be that good at calling balls and strikes and what the cognitive bias argument is in favor of an automated strike zone. Why teams shouldn't be drafting so many high school pitchers in the first round and why they continue to do so even though many people will tell you specifically they understand how risky high school pitchers are. 
a cognitive bias explanation for why Grady Little chose to leave Pedro Martinez in the game in the 2003 American League Championship Series that essentially got Grady Little fired into the Red Sox season. And had they not won the World Series the following season that we'd probably still be talking about quite a bit more is one of the worst in-game decisions most people can actively remember seeing in a baseball game. I talk about all of these examples and more, as well as including a chapter towards the end where I talk to some executives about very good, often counterintuitive decisions that really worked out and what things they did to change their process to try to avoid some of these cognitive biases. And finally, if you are interested in getting a signed, personalized copy of the book, Midtown Scholar, a bookstore in Harrisburg, is holding a virtual book signing event with myself and Will Leach, who has been a guest here on this podcast, uh, who also has a book, a novel of his own, coming out next month called How Lucky. Full disclosure, they're both from the same publisher, from HarperCollins. He and I are going to do a virtual book signing event and conversation through Midtown Scholar. So you can head to Midtown Scholar's website. You can look for them on Twitter at Midtown Scholar. And they will be shipping out books. They're going to bring books to me. I'm going to sign them after the event, sign and personalize them, and they will be shipping them out. You buy a book, you get a ticket to the event as well. That is on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, it is my great pleasure to be joined by Chicago White Sox starter Lucas Giolito. Lucas was, coincidentally, not coincidentally, it's one of the reasons I asked him on the podcast, he was my pick to win the AL Cy Young Award this year, and he's certainly off to a very good start. Lucas, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Keith. How's it going? Good, good. So, uh, a lot of readers, when uh, I was tweeting about how good your changeup looked in your last start, a lot of people were asking me on Twitter, is this what you always saw from Giolito? Do you always have this changeup? And I talked a little bit about the pitcher you were in high school, where you had a very different arm action. Your curveball was really your go-to. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about was, how did you go about making this very dramatic change to your delivery that really helped you become the pitcher you are today? Yeah, so I was always very long. Uh, You saw it in high school and lower levels and minor leagues. Uh, It worked for me. You know, I had Tommy John surgery right out of high school. And then, you know, I kind of started my journey through the minor leagues after that. Uh, but I didn't really make too many mechanical adjustments uh, just because like what I had worked, you know, I was still in mid to high nineties with a uh, pretty big curveball, And that worked for me. I started developing a change up right after Tommy John just to have a third pitch. It was never going to be like, oh, you know, this is going to be the go-to. This is going to be really great for you. I just wanted a third pitch. But I don't know, something about the way I was throwing. Uh, I started developing some, like, mechanical hitches, and uh, my timing was just kind of getting worse and worse by the year. And so it was really, really made, uh, made evident or it it was really highlighted in 2018, uh, numbers wise, just probably the worst, uh, starting pitcher in the American league, if not all of them, they'll be. And that was kind of the wake up call. You know, I had to kind of look in the mirror and be like, all right, this is, uh, this is not working anymore. It's about time that we make some adjustments and kind of when we got to work, 
I, I shortened the arm action significantly and I kind of cleaned up the way that I was driving down the mound, uh, learning how to use my, use like the right part of my legs, uh, learn how to like ride down the slide of the mound. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know how, if we want to get into a lot of detail on like all the stuff I did to get there, but it was essentially just finding a way to get on time, have my arms synced up with my body so I could be more consistent. So I have a lot of questions based on that alone, but what, one of the first things I want to ask, so we're, you know, watching your start the other night, the changeup was unbelievable. And I heard, heard that Mike Trout may have complimented you afterwards about how good the changeup looked, uh, which is pretty amazing. The curveball has kind of gone away, and I remember you saying at some point a couple of years ago that the you know, certainly the Major League Baseball was a little bit different, and that may have been part of your decision to shelve the curveball, but it seems like that's kind of an afterthought for you now in the arsenal because the changeup's so good and because you've also developed a slider. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I, you know, I still had the big curveball mm-hmm. getting to the big leagues and, and everything like that, but I think that I never had like great command of it. Uh, I, in the low levels of the minor leagues, a ball and high a, you can just throw fastballs kind of anywhere. If you have a, if you have like an overpowering fastball and then just throw your curveball off of it, you know, throw a high fastball, throw a curveball off of that same plane and it can bounce like three feet in front of home plate. And most guys are going to swing at it. And you're going to have success. By the time you get to like double A and above, guys are laying off the curveball in the dirt. You have to be able to show that you can throw it for a strike. And that's something that I could do pretty rarely. Uh, consistently throw like the really big breaking ball for a strike. You know, some guys can do it and kudos to them. But for me, I always relied on just like the movement of the pitch, never really caring about where it ended up. And that just wasn't going to work for me as a starting pitcher in the big league. I either had to figure out how to really consistently drop that curveball in for a strike and then throw the power one off of it, or it's not going to be that viable of a pitch for me. And so kind of over the last couple of years, I've just kind of phased it out just because uh, it's, I don't really want to like dedicate a lot of time to, you know, trying to work on feel and all these different things for this one pitch when I've developed another one that is easy for me to throw for a strike and generate swing and miss at a pretty high rate. And so when you started developing the change up and it's really come, I remember seeing you in low A, it probably would not have been long after you started throwing the pitch or at least started more seriously throwing the pitch from then God, it was you against Hunter Harvey. I saw you down in Delmarva in a day game. I remember, I remember you were both very good and it was, I was very cold. Um, but that day, even you barely, you only threw a couple, I think just looking from there to today too, are you, have you gone through multiple iterations or I often hear that described as a field pitch changeup is just a big field pitch. Was it a matter of developing feel for you or changing actually the way in which maybe you grip or, or release the pitch on the way to the plate? Yeah, it was, uh, in the beginning I started developing the pitch, like in my Tommy John rehab, 
that's how I got pretty decent feel for it was as I was like getting used to throwing a baseball again after Tommy John, you know, it's a very slow progression. That's at the same time when I was getting used to throwing a changeup because I was just like mixing in changeup grips all the time. I just had this idea head that like when I come back from TJ, I'm fully healthy. I want to have that third pitch like pretty locked in because I was already confident in the fastball and curveball at that point. And so, yeah, when I first started throwing it a lot, um, in mainly like low A and high A, I was between like two, two versions of it. It, it was always a circle change grip. Uh, but I didn't know if I wanted to be over four seams or two seams. And so I'd kind of go back and forth. I'd get like catcher's feedback, hitter's feedback. Uh, some guys were saying, you know, it's better to throw the four seam one because you throw four seam fastball. So the spin looks the same. But over time, I kind of realized and I don't know, developed uh, the two seam grip. It, it just, it just feels better to me. I feel like I can uh, do more with the ball, like manipulation wise or just feel wise overall. And I've cared less about like trying to make the ball spin look identical to my four scene. Um, I realized that the way I throw it and the way that the ball carries and moves, like it can, it plays off my forcing very well. So that's pretty much it. I just kind of tinkered around. It was between those two grips for a while and ended up going with the two scene grip. And that's what I've been using since 2018. It's got ridiculous movement or it did Friday night. It's the most I've ever seen. I think it was Friday. Uh, that was the most I've seen that pitch move. Uh, from you, it's one of the harder moving changeups. If you just, if I'd never seen you pitch and didn't know you at all, I'd start asking, was that some kind of splitter or split? Everybody uses, there's so many changeup grips now and people are designing almost different grips for different types of movement. And it's interesting now that you say it, of course, I see it. I see that that's almost like a two seam type of movement. And the parent, the way you pair that with your fastball, your four seam fastball has above average spin on it to begin with. So now you've got two pitches that, from the hitter's perspective, probably look pretty similar out of your hand, but end up moving actually in rather different directions in a different, in addition to that speed differential. Yeah. The, you know, a lot of time when I'm like living up in the zone with my forcing fastball during a start, uh, I'll, I'll throw the high change up off of it. Um, not necessarily the one that you're talking about, the trout, the one that like dove and had all that crazy horizontal movement. Mm -hmm. I think that that just kind of happened. It was like a happy accident. Um, I was really, really amped up first inning back having fans, you know, I already struck out the first two guys of the inning. So I'm really going for striking out the side. And I have a three, two count. Um, Mike Trout's up one of the best hitters in the game. And I don't want to, I don't want to give in, you know, a lot of times three, two, I'll like try and flow to change up in there. Um, but I didn't want to give in. I wanted to throw it pretty much as hard as I could and just see what happens. Cause like if I walk, if I walk them, it's fine. I'll move on to the next batter. And it ended up like, I don't even know where it 
started maybe like middle or outer third and just ran like super in on him. Uh, so that's definitely one where I'm like, let's see if I can figure out how to do that. Like again <laughs> and again. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So you're six six, and I always associated, you know, seeing you in high school, listeners may know the story. I saw Lucas start a game, a doubleheader in high school, and then his teammate Max Fried started the second game of the doubleheader. And certainly one of the best days I've ever had out seeing players. But you're six six, and I'm used to guys your size having kind of longer arm actions, but as long as it seems fluid and it looks like you can maybe repeat it, we don't I think generally scouts don't worry as much about that, but You've really shortened up. It's made you a different pitcher. And I feel like that's more recently we're seeing guys try to switch to somewhat shorter arm actions for repeatability or for timing purposes. Would you, if you're talking to pitchers kind of built like you who are younger, do you think it makes sense? You know, I know yours is just one case. What's your opinion on guys switching to this kind of arm action just to account for the fact that you're you're on the taller side. That's a huge advantage in some ways, but it seems like you feel like it may have worked against you in terms of the delivery you started out with. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing, uh, guys, you know, younger players will ask me about it sometimes. And my biggest thing is it's not for everyone. You know, I think that the biggest, thing a pitcher needs to do is just be on time so like when your left foot's hitting the ground at the bottom of the mound you kind of want your arm up and ready uh in that good position to to deliver the baseball uh over time mine was just getting later and later and later and i tried a couple different ways to try and get it on time taking my uh taking my ball out of taking the ball out of the, the glove earlier was one of them. And it was just like super uncomfortable for me. Like I'm, I've always been the guy where like, for some reason I have to take the ball out of the glove a little bit later, like as I'm moving down the mound and it was, yeah, basically just like kind of trial and error. Um, it all happened in one off season. You know, I, I show up and I'm, I'm working with Ethan and he just pulls out some plyo balls and he's like, Hey, uh, let's, uh, throw some of these against the wall. See how it feels. I'm like, all right. I throw the first one, my, my old arm action and it hurt. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell you got me doing over here? man? <laughs> shoulder hurt. He's like, no shit. It makes your shoulder hurt. You're, <laughs> you're not on time. 
you know, try and try and be a little more athletic with this. I'm like, all right, all right. And so I like kind of throw it more like a, like a shortstop or something. And it felt good. He's like, there you go. Like, let's stay on that track. All right. So, I mean, that's pretty much how it happened. I mean, I just started throwing those plyo care balls, the driveline ones. Mm-hmm. Um, just like four exercises with it. I wasn't doing like the full on program or anything like that. Uh, just a few exercises. And so from that, I carried it right into playing catch. And like I was staying short playing catch. I'm like, wow, this feels really good. It, it, it's, I feel like so fortunate because it was like we kind of found this thing that was like it, like in cartoons and like a light bulb goes off over <laughs> a character's head. It was like that. It was like a click immediate. Um, things don't usually happen that way. You know, finding like my arm slot and, my, and the arm action in the slot, it, it happened pretty quickly. And then I just, from there on out, it was just getting reps in to really ingrain it. So I, I feel like I'm very lucky in that sense. Um, you know, a, a younger pitcher that's maybe having timing issues. Yeah, it could work. It could be very helpful, but at the same time, it's not for everyone. You know, some of the best pitchers in our game have long arm actions. That's like traditionally how it's done. Uh, maybe it's a little trendy now to shorten up. I, I see a good amount of guys doing it. Maybe not as drastically as I did, but I feel like sometimes there is some wasted movement back there, but uh, I'm, yeah, I don't know if I would ever just like tell a young player straight up like, Oh yeah, for sure. Just like shorten your arm action. I think that um, there's many different ways and methods to be able to like get on time and be consistent. You got to do what's comfortable at the end of the day. That's really interesting. Cause it's, it is, you know what the end point is and you're, in the way you're arguing is it doesn't ent- entirely matter. At least there's multiple ways to get to that endpoint. The endpoint being to be on time consistently. And I will say I've seen you obviously you said you were drifting later. I have seen good, otherwise very very talented high school, college, or young minor league pitching prospects, and they're just late. It's the one thing that they're just late. And not everyone believes that that's a big problem. I have become of the school that says that it's a problem for prospect or it's a, a something to maybe count against them in a scouting report. But I like the message here also that there are ways to fix this. We don't need to look at this and say, oh, he's not good or he's not fixable because he's not on time. You're a very good example of somebody who through a change that you said happened fairly quickly for you, but through a change, got yourself to the point where you are not just on time, but consistently on time and now commanding the ball, I think better than you have at least since high school, maybe at any point in your pitching career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, I'm not really a command guy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like a stuff guy. I like to rely on, on what I got and challenging hitters. Um, but I would agree with you. I'm definitely throwing more strikes and I'm more kind of locked in around the strike zone and, and where I need to be more so than I ever was. Uh, it's, a lot easier to do that just because I feel more in control of my body and what I need to be doing. 
My guest today has been Lucas Giolito, right-handed starter for the Chicago White Sox, off to a great start this season. Lucas, thanks for joining me, and best of luck. Thanks so much, Keith. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. That's all for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Lucas Giolito for sharing his story. And finally, if you didn't get the message earlier in the podcast, I'll say it one more time. Go out and buy The Inside Game. My book now out in paperback as of April 6th. You can buy it anywhere you like to buy books but do please if you have an independent bookstore near you give them a call they'd really appreciate the business thank you so much for listening stay safe go get that vaccine